Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. As always, it is great to be with you another Wednesday evening. Now, I do have to let you know that Father Mike was unable to be in studio with me this evening. He was pulled away at the 11th hour, and that just kind of happens from time to time. He is a very busy priest, so I am going to fly solo, but upon your request this evening, I am going to take up Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, this very popular movie that came to us in 2008. Uh, Father Mike has watched this movie, and I think what he'll do is just kind of offer up a post-game reflection next week, if you will, on the themes we talk about tonight together. So again, as always, uh, welcome. It is great to have you uh, here in the friendly confines of Chico, wherever you might be listening to this uh, radio program, and however you might be listening to this radio program, certainly If you are tuning in by way of podcast in the countries of Canada, Mexico, Argentina, Chile, uh, Peru, Brazil, I see you on the grid in Western Europe, you consistently, faithfully tune in in France, Portugal, Spain, Rome, I see Italy, right? Uh, Also Croatia, I also see those listening in India and I call you out in India because we are going to be talking about India this evening, right, with the movie Slumdog Millionaire. Also, I see you in uh, areas in Africa, South Africa, uh, Kenya, Nigeria. So I welcome all of you. I welcome all of you into the friendly confines of Chico, California. Okay, all that being said, Slumdog Millionaire. Now, in 2008, Slumdog Millionaire and its director, Danny Boyle, with their modern-day fairy tale about hope and, and hard times in the slums of Mumbai, really did, we could say, push aside all of the big studio contenders to, to sweep top honors back in 2008 at the uh, 81st Annual Academy Awards, winning eight Oscars, count them, eight Oscars, including Best Picture. Uh, the email that was sent to me from Topeka, Kansas was, can you talk about some of the best pictures? And so certainly, as Slumdog Millionaire was requested, I thought we would do Slumdog Millionaire. Now, for many movie critics, Slumdog Millionaire is well-structured with its music, uh, with its cinematography, blending this kind of creative energy, just short, we could say, of a chaotic whole. And, and I say that because when you think about a movie that's titled Slumdog Millionaire, you really do have to find a strike, we could say, that balance between creativity, uh, cinematography, structure, music. Really, that's what every filmmaker is after, right? What's more is that the acting in this movie, I thought, raised the story above a mere rags to riches tale. In point of fact, Slumdog Millionaire is a whole lot more than a rags-to-riches tale. You might be thinking this evening I'm going to offer up a 27-minute commentary on poverty, but that's not really the plan. We are going to talk about other things. I will, at the end of our time together, offer you a brief reflection into 
what's in the title of this movie. But certainly, I thought the acting, again, uh, elevated this movie as more than just a uh, mere rags to riches tale. Now, I know it is not something that Father Mike and I talk a whole lot about, but you know when you are watching really good acting, or for that matter, really bad acting, right? And Slumdog Millionaire, I think, hits a home run in the area of good acting. You notice. Or maybe better said, you don't notice. Because when you don't notice, that's when you know you have good acting. My friends, acting is an art, right? An art that brings life to the story itself. Which leads me to another point that Father Mike and I have been after for over a year now. And that is this. A play or film is meant to be received on the basis of its surface appearance. What do I mean? Uh, you don't experience Hamlet per se as it was intended to be experienced by going behind the scenes, right? Watching the rigging, the pulleys, uh, seeing behind the sets, watching the actors put on makeup, seeing the tech guys work the lights and sound. Now, that might be fun, but that's not how you enter into the story. Similarly, in a film, you know, the, the whole point of special effects is for you to forget that they are special effects, right? When you see the wires above the stage or, or on the screen, you are immediately taken out of the story, not into the story. Rigging, sound effects, lighting, stagecraft, all of those are good and necessary, but they are not the essence of the story itself. They are not the essence of the play or movie what a Shakespeare or Lucas uh, would want us to see. What they want us to see as members of the audience is the play, is the movie. We go deepest into the play, we go deepest into the movie when we experience the surface, letting the story and the characters, not our awareness of the producer, not our awareness of the director, not our awareness of the, the technicians, stagehands, actors, and so on and so, so forth, take us into the world of the story. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. When I say surface, I do not mean we are not to get underneath the story. On the contrary, it's by engaging the story without the periphery of the pulleys and cameras and so on and so forth that we are then better able to get underneath the story. Dare I say, as we have been discussing it over the past year, that we are better able to see how what we see on the stage is but a reflection of our own story, huh? All right, Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire presents some, oh, I suppose we could say, interesting possibilities about God's role in shaping human lives. Uh, one of the geniuses of this movie is that Slumdog Millionaire is really centered around approximately two days in the life of its protagonist, Jamal Malik, a contestant on the Indian version of what we would know who wants to be a millionaire, hence Slumdog Millionaire. As a chaiwala, which he is called, as he is called in the movie, uh, which is, I think, basically a gopher who brings tea to workers at a telephone's company's call center, Jamal hardly seemed the type to know the answers to these wide-ranging quiz questions. But, as even the film's trailer will tell you, as the whole point of a film's trailer is to tease, right, Jamal's life experiences 
really did prepare him to answer questions like, whose face is on the U.S. $100 bill, right? Even though he couldn't tell if asked whose face is on Indian currency. Chance? Meh. According to Jamal, and this is the great provocation, destiny. Or as he says at another moment in the film, uh, there's no reason behind his success other than it is written, which is an interesting phrase that we may get into. So already you can see how there is this towering theme of providence, we could say, as chance is brought up, destiny is brought up, and how this whole movie uh, encircles the reality of how one thing, how one experience in Jamal's life is never not connected to another experience in his life. I think that's the great tease of this movie. All right, so to this theme of providence, much can be said here. First, I think in faith, we should be mindful that we never speak of God's actions as coincidental, right? This is a point I have touched upon before, as some random, imperceptible concurrence of events, but rather as God-incidental, dare I say, driven by the perceptible concurrence of God's plan for you. Now, I'm sure that we have all heard that phrase, God has a plan for you especially when we are in the midst of uncertainty. But how are we to understand that phrase in good faith? Well, first and foremost, that he does have a plan for you and I. But is it not understanding that plan that grips so many of us? And brothers and sisters, what I would suggest to you on this point is that understanding God's plan for us entails a beholding of the mystery of God. For so many of us, we live life as a problem to be solved suddenly and abruptly, as opposed to a mystery to be contemplated continuously and perpetually. It is only when we reverence mystery before us that we can begin to understand God's plan for us in those moments in our life that make no sense, and we all experience those moments maybe on a daily basis. We are called to turn to Raboni, the master teacher, and ask the good Lord Jesus, what do you intend to show me in this moment? I have often said that the moments of confusion should not decrease our time with God, but increase our time with God, increase our relationship with God, not curtail it, because it is then we should start asking the relevant questions. Why is it so? What is the meaning of that? Where am I to go now? All those questions that are relevant to the virtue of recollection. You see, my friends, what I am talking about right now here is the already existing relationship with God that should be in play before those trials come. If you are in a relationship with someone, when they do something bad to you or a perceived bad to you, do you just bail on the relationship or do you ask them the question, why? Why did you do that? What was the meaning of that? God desires the same. And I assure you, he has an answer. And part of that answer is always accompanied with James 1.4, where James says that patience and perseverance perfects all things. Patience and perseverance perfects all things because in the patience 
in the perseverance, God will reveal himself in time. Okay? So I pose to you again. When a good friend of yours or a loved one has done a perceived bad to you, do you bail on them or do you re-engage them? Hopefully you re-engage them. That's what God desires, right? The deepest truth in the spiritual life is that we desire God as much as God desires us. Well, we know that God desires us perfectly, not half-heartedly, totally, wholly, and entirely. With that in mind, we should be asking the questions. Again, why is it so? What is the meaning of this or that? Where am I to go now? All of these things are relevant to any kind of discussion on providence and understanding God's plan for us, where he might desire for us to go. And certainly, by the grace of God and the spirit of the virtue of recollection, I think we can look back at something in our life and see the miraculous and intricate pattern that led to blessing. And as I say blessing, what we must always understand too is that the blessing isn't just in the end understanding, but in the initial quest, because the quest is what drew you to God. The quest, the questions, right? Why is it so? What is the meaning of that? Where am I to go now? Those are the kinds of questions which draw you closer to God as you lend your ear. We ought to celebrate both the mystery of the journey and the truth and the understanding that eventually comes in the revelation. And certainly, we could say wisely, Slumdog Millionaire is structured in such a way that celebrates the mystery of divine design. And of course, here, we say divine from the Christian perspective. Jamal seems to be a nominal Muslim, and he never really attributes destiny, say, uh, to the actions of God. But you know what I'm saying here, right? All right, so the film begins right after Jamal's first appearance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, with Jamal being interrogated by Mumbai police who believe that he must be cheating. As they replay the video of the show, question by question, we see as the movie kind of uh, evolves, we see in flashbacks the events that led to Jamal's knowledge of the answers. And I love when movies do that. That's just me, but... I also think <laughs> maybe it's just not me because it won eight Oscars, right? Now, as we see this movie flashback, some of the events that lead Jamal to understand or, or know the answers are, yeah, they are mischievous enough, involving ripping off European tourists at the Taj Mahal and the like. <laughs> Others are tragic, such as the death of Jamal's mother in this anti-Muslim riot. I mean... Here we are talking about the question or the statement that is said to us, God has a plan for you. Uh, be sensitive, my friends. I mean, can you imagine if someone had told Jamal in the midst of losing his mother in this anti-Muslim riot, God has a plan for you? Okay, timing's everything. We don't go there. Hopefully we know better. Now, the movie doesn't blithely assert that all these things have happened just so that Jamal could win 20 million rupees, okay? In fact, just before giving the correct answer corresponding to something he learned the day of his mother's death, Jamal says, and, and I thought in a, a very evocative moment, every day 
I wake up wishing I didn't know the answer to that question. So Slumdog Millionaire does not uh, dismiss real human pain in its exploration of destiny, right? Uh, what's more in the context of destiny? We might say that a design-less world solely based on human actions is not sufficient to explain why Jamal ends up prepared to answer the very specific questions asked of him on who wants to be a millionaire. However, what we could say is that Jamal's unsullied character also affects the course of his life. Uh, his devotion to finding Latika, a girl he knew as a child, uh, certainly motivated him to appear on the show. Uh, noble decisions on the part of other characters also affect the course of events. This, I would suggest, my friends, ought to also have us thinking about just not our uh, personal providence, that is to say how God works providentially in His sovereign love intimately in our lives, but also how every movement of our day and everyone that we meet as we cooperate in God's grace steers us to the greater good and ultimately God's will for us. Sometimes events that have no perceptible connection are made to be seen in light of each other. Huh? Uh, what am I talking about here? Give me permission to share with you a personal story as it just comes to, to my mind. It's not something I was thinking about beforehand, but it does come to my mind now. Uh, back in, oh, I think it was 1998, I recall an evening when an older sister of mine had driven me to the airport. And this sister was inquiring into the, story, into the story of Abraham. And so we were talking about Abraham and Isaac, and it led into this beautiful discussion about how Abraham and Isaac are typological figures of God the Father and Jesus. There we were exploring into how <laughs> you have this father asking his son to carry wood upon his back up this mountain so as to eventually be sacrificed, right? Does that story sound familiar? Well, that's the story that we read on Calvary, where God the Father asks his son to carry wood upon his back so that he might become a sacrifice. Now, we know the story of Abraham and Isaac. Of course, God intervenes, and Abraham doesn't have to offer up his son. And what does God say? I will provide the lamb right? I will provide the lamb. And this is what he does in his own son. So there is this beautiful symmetry between the story of Abraham and Isaac, Abraham being the father of Isaac, of course, and God the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Both fathers calling their sons to carry wood upon their back so as to be a covenant sacrifice for humanity. Now, we had that discussion, a beautiful discussion and as I said goodbye to her, I was just continuing to kind of reflect upon this story. Now, fast forward to my time in the terminal at Sacramento Airport. Uh, two little ones came up to me. And as these two little ones came up to me, they, they started to ask me questions about different things, who I am. They just were very, they were very open, benign, fun, extroverted children. But what I remember about that encounter was the father calling his children to him. And what were their names? Abraham and Moriah. Now, if you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know why I'm sharing this story. Because Abraham called Isaac to carry wood upon what mountain? Moriah. 
So would you consider that chance coincidental that here just hours earlier I was talking about the story of Abraham and Isaac, you know, and Mount Moriah, only to be reminded of that story just hours later with these two children as these children's names, uh, children's names were Abraham and Moriah. Okay, it doesn't stop there. Uh, For me, it could have. You know, that to me would have been enough, uh, one of God's fiery darts of love, as St. John of the Cross calls them, just to remind me that, that God was with me. I was thinking at that time, well, if nothing else, it's a confirmation that I was supposed to talk about what I talked about to my sister. But God wasn't done. The next day, I was deciding between two classes I was made to take. I had to take, but I couldn't take both. And the two courses were on the Old Testament. And unbeknownst to me, one of the courses was to focus on Genesis, in particular on the typology found in Genesis. And in the course description, what did it describe? But the story of Abraham and Moriah. You see, my friends, it was enough for me then and there to just praise God that, yeah, he wanted me to take that class. And to that point, and why I bring up this story now, God uses all events, all encounters, all discussions to shed light on the next thing, which sheds light on the next thing which sheds light on the next thing. As we cooperate in God's grace, we live in this continuing, perpetual, moving revelation where God inches up the curtain bit by bit. And I don't know about you, but for me, my dear friends, that's exciting. It's tough sometimes because, like I said, when you watch Slumdog Millionaire, it's clear to discover God's plan for you is a painful process. Because if we are going to imitate Christ as Christ himself reminds us we ought to, well, imitate him in all things. That includes the trial, the pain, the suffering. This is what Jesus promised his followers, right? He didn't promise them material wealth. He didn't promise them prestige. He didn't promise them status. He promised them suffering. That's the way of Christ. The book of Acts describes the Christian way as the way, capital W. If you are going to follow Christ, if you're going to follow, quote-unquote, the way, then you're going to follow the path he led, which included suffering. But it's necessary if you're going to understand God's greater design for you. So, Jamal's impersonal destiny is, of course, different from the involvement of a personal God in human lives. And let's be clear, I am not saying that Jamal or Slumdog Millionaire is some Christian commentary on divine providence. But what I am saying is this, the movie does more than just hint at this ancient Christian truth of God using all things for his glory, yes, but also a deeper understanding of his plan for us that gives him glory. Remember what St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive. St. Elizabeth of the Trinity says, uh, become the praise and glory of God. Certainly, we can all learn something from the wonder with which Slumdog Millionaire views the design of our lives. Huh? Okay. All right, I'm looking up at the clock and we are almost out of time. Just one thought. You know, Mark Twain once said, 
that poetry is nothing more than putting two words side by side for the first time, right? This movie is not called Poverty and Wealth or Poverty and Riches, but Slumdog and Millionaire. No two words can be any more different when you start talking about wealth or the lack thereof. Slumdog Millionaire. You know, when Mark Twain says poetry is nothing more than putting two words side by side for the first time, he speaks to it that way because what he wants us to see when we read poetry is that poetry is at its best when it brings new insight. And just not insight into a particular situation, but an insight that provokes the imagination, that gets the imagination thinking differently. This movie is called Slumdog Millionaire because the director and the filmmakers and the writers want us to start thinking about the reality of how we think about the world and its relationship to money differently. Okay, so with that, again, watch the movie. And if you've seen it already, watch it again and think about some of the things we've talked about this evening. Amen? Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, The website is joeholcraft.org.